Good morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's a great day. It's a great day. It's an exciting day. We're so glad and so excited to have Pastor Steve with us for his first Sunday. And we're looking forward to great new beginnings and great things that God's going to do in this church under this new leadership. So uh, why don't we take this morning, take this time just to come into his presence, come into God's presence rejoicing. Would you stand? Let's stand. God made us with a, an empty place in our in our heart, in our soul that only he can fill. And uh, this is a special time that we have this, 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 this day of the week that we get to to worship all together and to uh, come into his presence. So let's be in anxious anticipation of what God's going to do today. He's going to do great things. Here we go. Praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Stirring hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, when all our fears are washed away. Washed away, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises, Hosanna.
Show us your power. Show. 
Of some announcements. Prayer today. We want to see Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome you today to Community Fellowship Church of the Nazarene. This is one of those important days in the life of our church. Since 1911, <laughs> we've been worshiping, and uh, today is another one of those important days. Uh, we welcome our new pastor, and uh, he is an answer to prayer. Obviously, we've been praying for, for this day for a long time, for several months, and we've been praying for Pastor Steve, and uh, today is the day, and uh, God has answered that prayer, and we're thankful that he's here, and we want to uh, take this opportunity to introduce if you'd stand up, Pastor Steve, and, <laughs> and, and his wife, Jennifer, she's been here before, <laughs> that's right, and his boys, Ezra, this is Silas, and Silas. Ezra and Silas, yep. okay, there we go, and, <laughs> good. And it's good to have Jennifer's sister, Jessica, if you would stand with us as well. Good to have you. Thank you. Right. Thank you very much. It's good to have them today. Let's offer them all the assistance we can to their getting uh, installed here. In fact, speaking of that, there will be an installation service uh, next Sunday, the 14th, with the assistant uh, district superintendent, uh, Reverend Sam Flores, will be here. And there will be a kind of a covenant um, installation service next Sunday, so you don't want you don't want to miss that. We ask our ushers to come at this time, and we'll receive our morning tithes and offering. And let me say that God has been good to us. Thank you for uh, your response over the last couple of weeks uh, in the offerings, and uh, and I don't want to say this too loudly. <laughs> But it appears that God has blessed us as far as the roof is concerned. And uh, hopefully we, we have that covered at this point. We'll let you know as time goes on. But thank you for your response. God answers prayer. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We're thankful for this opportunity to come to your house and to worship you. And, and what a day it is that we welcome our new pastor. We pray your blessings upon him and his family. Bless him as he prepares, 
as he brings the message today. And Lord, for this offering we're about to receive, we thank you for it. And we pray that you would use it to build your kingdom and to glorify your name. Amen. Savior, my Savior, 
My Savior's always there for me. My God, He was. My God, He is. My God, He's always gonna be. My Savior does. My Savior lives. My Savior's always there for me. My God, He was. My God, He is. My God, always gonna be. My Savior does. My Savior lives. My Savior's always there for me. My God, He was. My God, He is. My God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves. My Savior lives. My Savior's always there for me. My God, He was. My God, He is. My God, He's always gonna be. My Savior lives. My Savior loves. My Savior lives. My Savior loves. My Savior lives.
is thick in this place. Lord God, we just ask that, that, you, that you change us, that you, that you work your way in us, that you, God, bring us to the place that you want us to be. God, as Pastor Steve brings the message, give us open hearts. God, give us a, a willingness. Help us to be available for whatever you want, wherever you want to take us to, where you want to, wherever you want to take us individually and as a church, God, we're here, we're yours. We thank you for your son. Father, we thank you for giving him so that we can live with you now and forever. We lift all this up in the name of Jesus and all people said, amen and amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, it's good to be with you finally. Uh, it seemed like forever. And on behalf of our family, we want to just take the time to thank everybody who has uh, made our uh, visit when we came, and then now that we're here, you guys have just been so hospitable, and we're grateful. We're looking forward to meeting all of you, and uh, after, I guess we're going to have some kind of a potluck. Now, how many of us need potluck training? Anybody need potluck training? You don't know what to do at a potluck? Probably not. When people go to church, they know how to eat. We're good at that, aren't we? Good at the potlucks, and uh, you can kind of tell there's potluck etiquette, you know? Um, sometimes they'll bring these plates out that are about yay big like this, and then there's a big old table full of food, and you're thinking, how in the world am I going to fit 
all the food that I want to fit on that uh, plate, you know. But pretty soon what we do is this thing starts to grow vertically. And uh, so we go through the line, and pretty soon our plate's this high, and you can't even tell what's what, and you just kind of just shovel it down. So it's going to be good, and uh, that's going to be right after the service. We're going to have a blast together, getting to know you. And um, so, um, you know, we just got in, I think, what was it, 27th when we rolled into, uh, into Texas. And uh, wow, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I'm learning some things, you know, um, it's not you guys. It's y'all. Now, I'm learning that. And I think, my, in fact, Ezra, my oldest, he said, Dad, everybody at school says y'all. And, uh, and uh, so it was funny. In fact, we had uh, where we had all the, you know, boxes we have to unpack and everything. And I made a, met a lady who wanted all of our boxes. So I met her at her storage unit. And, um, and she says, not even two words out of my mouth. She says, I love your accent. And I said, my accent? I said, no, you have an accent. She says, no, you live in Texas. You have an accent. And I was like, oh, okay, that's how that works. And then later on she told me, she says, she says, Jesus says y'all, did you know that? And I said, no, I didn't know that. She says, yeah, Jesus says y'all. And so now I know that. And, uh, but in any event, it's going to be with you guys and with y'all. And um, we'll have to remedy that. As time goes on, I'll probably pick that up. Uh, but in any event, we're, we're really excited about being here, and I'm excited to get in God's Word. Last week was New Year's Eve, last Sunday, and we were going to go to service, and two churches were closed for New Year's. Could you believe that? New Year's Eve, closed. And I was telling Brother Dave, I said, I've never heard of that. And then so the third one we went to, uh, the greeter greeted us with, well, you know, we moved our services up an hour, and uh, so our pastor's just about done. And so we didn't even get to go to church last week. We went, tried three places. We couldn't get into church. We were all bummed out. The week prior to that, it was kind of tough because we were in Albuquerque, and we went to a church, and it was just kind of just a children's program. So, I mean, not that you can't worship the Lord through children's program, but we wanted to worship. And so this morning was rich for us. We're so glad to be in God's house, to be able to worship with God's people. And so we're going to do that here in a little bit. Let me bring over my, uh, my trusty old faithful companion here. And it's on wheels, so that's kind of nice. And uh, we're going to get into the Gospel of John. Now, what happened this morning is I was uh, praying, and, and the Holy Spirit started to just really work on me. And, and everything that I thought that I was going to talk to you about, that kind of just went out the window. And so you get whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to have this morning, and that's what I'm going to give to you. So we're going to get into the Gospel of John. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 16. I got this Bible for Christmas, and it's large print. And I'm trying to fight getting the, the readers, but I think I'm going to end up needing readers. I'm 46, and so I think it's about that time. And, um, but for the time being, I have my new Bible that has bigger letters on it. I'll be reading out a New Living Translation. And um, if you have your, your faithful companion, go ahead and open that to uh, Matthew, six, uh, Matthew, John. I meant John. Don't do what I told you. Do what I'm telling you. <laughs> I told somebody the other day, I have a great memory. It's just real short. Hey, listen, if you're happy, tell your face. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, it's good to see smiles. It's good to see so many of you that are excited to be in God's house. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to read there in John chapter uh, 16. Now, Jesus, uh, in typical Jesus fashion, is always getting his disciples ready. How, how many of you are grateful that God gets us ready? You excited that God will get you ready for the next thing that's coming? Even when sometimes you don't know to be excited about it, or maybe that you don't realize that God is doing things that you cannot perceive, 
And God does that all the time. God has things in store for us that we haven't even wrapped our brain around. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has comprehended the things that God has intended for each and every one of us. His will is perfect. Do you believe that this morning? See, what we're going to talk about today is something that requires some building toward. Uh, as we're getting ready to move the church into another chapter, uh, 1911, is that what you said, Brother Dave? Were you here for that? No, not yet. I'm giving you a hard time. We're messing, right? We're good. We're good. Just, I see a smile back there. Um, in any event, you know, there's a lot of different uh, twists and turns along the way. And any church that's been around, as long as this church has been around, you've seen a lot of different things happen. How many of you guys have been here for at least 40 years? Anybody? At least 40 years. Okay. You've seen a lot, haven't you? Probably. That's my guess. Uh, humor me this morning. I want you to put, put your hands together like you're going to pray. Everybody, everybody do it. They can. You don't have arthritis and you can do it. Do that for me. All right. How many of you have your right thumb over your left thumb when you do that? All right. How many of you guys have left over right? Okay, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> all right, now, switch it. How weird does that feel? That tells you how wrong the other people are, right? It just kind of feels strange. Now, what I want you to do now, next, fold your arms like you're going to listen to somebody. Or maybe like you're not going to listen to somebody. All right, now switch it. Can't even do it. Doesn't even feel right. It's just alien. It just feels just strange. Um, did you know that most of us really don't like change as much as we say we do? It just feels strange. It's not, you know, it just... And, and you're not accustomed to a different way to do something. Um, in the church, that absolutely happens. We like our, our habits. We like. Our, let me ask you this question because I'm new. It's my first Sunday. How many, how many of you have been in the chair that you've been in, that you're sitting in right now, that you've been in that chair for at least half a year? Okay. All right. And the rest of you? Just change it up a little bit. Okay, that's fair. I've been in churches before where somebody walks up and they kind of get confused when the visitor comes and sits in their chair. Do we have any of those? Don't raise your hand. What happens is that they walk in and they kind of look at you like, what, what are you doing in my chair? That's my chair. And that visitor has no idea that that's your chair. But we've never actually auctioned off chairs. Have you guys ever done that in a church where that's your chair? That's my chair. No, I bought that chair. If you look underneath, there's a nameplate on there, and it has my name on it. I've never been to a church like that. But sometimes we take ownership of these things. You know, th this is a true story. There have been times where we have tinkered with the order of worship. <gasps> Don't do that. You know, the worship pastor and I will sit down together and say, listen, it's not flowing well. Let's, let's change it up a little bit. So we change it up. And people start short-circuiting. When you change the order of worship, like when you have maybe three songs, maybe announcements and offering, and then you have two slower songs, and then you have prayer, and then you have the sermon, that's the way it's supposed to work. Everybody knows that. That's the way God designed it. 
So now you change it up and you say, no, this is what we're going to do. And all of a sudden people are like, what in the world is going on? They're confused. And they don't know what to do with that. And people stress out. They freak out. In fact, when they go to Sunday dinner, they start talking about it. What were they thinking? What were they doing about that? What was the pastor thinking? That worship pastor was behind that. I know it. Do you think God's ever wringing his hand saying, I can't believe that. What are they thinking? What are they doing? They know that if I'm truly going to be worshipped, it's got to be this way. You know what Jesus said about that? God's looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. That's the substance of what we're talking about this morning. That regardless of what the method looks like, what's method? Method is the way that you do something. Method has to do with things like how bright it is or how dim it is. Method has to do with whether or not we're going to do some hymns or we're going to do some contemporary music. Method has to do with whether or not a guy's going to stand behind a pulpit the whole time and just kind of do this. Or if the guy's going to walk around or come off the platform, that's method. There's a lot of different ways that we can do things. But there's one thing we cannot compromise. There's one thing we cannot mess with, and it's the substance of the gospel. We cannot mess around with that. We can't take liberty with the word of God. That stands forever. This is something that's non-negotiable. When we talk about the substance of the gospel, we dare not mess around with that. And yet churches are doing that. Pastors are doing that. They're going to have to answer for all that. As will God's people. We'll, we'll have to answer for that. But let me say this. Sometimes we can misinterpret the difference between method and substance. Is that true? How many of us have ever encountered somebody or been the person that we get it all bent out of shape over methodology, but we put it in the substance camp. I've had people before, they leave the church because you went from pews to chairs, and everybody knows you can't be spiritual in the chair. The color of carpet was not to their liking, and so they got upset because they were not asked what their opinion was about the color of carpet. People get all bent out of shape. And not only do they get bent out of shape, I mean, it would be one thing if you didn't like that, but it's another thing to actually go to other people and say, hey, listen, I'm building a team. Would you like to be on my team? Does that ever happen in church? See, change is a difficult deal. And when we start changing methodology, let's not be confused to misinterpret what method is for substance. This is important, you guys. Church people need to grab a hold of this. How many of you guys have been in church more than five years? My hand's up for a reason. I've been in church for a long time now. I'm considered one of the church people. Pastors can do the same thing. So I'm not trying to just preach at you. I'm saying all of us together, we need to be concerned about these kinds of things because of what you... Have you ever asked the question why it is that Jesus was crucified? Have you ever asked that question? He messed with their status quo. Jesus come in there and he started messing with all the things that they held sacred, that they held dear. And he, he just kind of just... And, and as he did that, it began to grow. All of the, of the angst, all of the anger, all of the... the the vitriol, the hatred began to grow 
Because Jesus was willing to come in and to do something else, do something different, to be able to talk about truth in a way. And, and, and it, was, it was something that the regular people saw, that they recognized. In fact, they recognized that he had authority that their teachers of the law did not have. He had power and he had authority and they saw it. But the, the people who would be considered the church people of his day could not see it. They, because they were so, can I say this? They were so heck bent on their status quo, on their traditions, on the ways that they did things, on their methodology. And they missed the very Messiah that they had been talking about in the scriptures that they had been teaching about. They had been foretelling that he was going to come and he's in front of them and they don't recognize him. Now let me ask you a question, church. Is it possible for us as not even church people, but Christian people to miss out on the power of what God is doing because we're focused on the wrong things? He's moving in our midst. I mean, he's changing lives. He's raising marriages. Families are being brought together. People are being able to overcome addictions. And we're mad about colors of carpet. We need to snap. We need to have our eyes opened. And I'm telling you, if, we, if, if every single old and young alike, if all of us would be open, not closed, but open. How many of you are open to the movement of God? If I'm open to the movement of God, then God gets to dictate how he's going to move, not us. And if God is the one that can move freely, then we get to just kind of, okay, that's not what I thought. That's not the way I did it. That's not the way I envisioned it. But you're God, and you can do whatever you want. Is there anybody like that this morning? Me too. Me too. All right, so... Gospel of John. Verse, uh, uh, verse 5, chapter 16 and verse 5, if you have your Bibles. The caption over the text is the work of the Holy Spirit. I like that. The work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys want the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Man, I do. I want God's Holy Spirit to come into my life and to work. But now, this is Jesus talking, verse 5. But now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Now, what he's telling them all, goes all the way back to chapter 14. Now, back to chapter 14 and working all the way through 14 and then into 15, now 16. This is what he's referencing. But what he's talking about is that he's going to have to go away. The disciples are very much stressed out by this. Um, they don't want Jesus to go anywhere. But, they, but here's, here was the issue with the disciples. The Holy Spirit had not opened their eyes to be able to understand what he had been talking about. You know, sometimes, let me say this. This is critical, and I kind of digress a little bit. In the church, there are times where we dread something. Uh, we, we're worried about something. We have anxiety about something that God might be trying to do. And instead of the anxiety and the stress and the worry and all that kind of thing, that our prayer ought to be, God, open my eyes to be able to see things the way that you want me to see things. 
Because I'm telling you, how many of you guys have ever experienced that stress or anxiety or worry has produced anything positive? Lord, help me to just get over. You know, I don't understand. I don't know the end of this. I don't understand. I don't get it. But I know you do. And I know I could trust you. In Jesus' name. Is that is it your testimony this morning? See, I'm, there might be somebody in here that you're stressing about something. Your job. Your marriage. Your kids. Your finances. There's one. You ever stressed out about your finances? Maybe you're stressed out about this new pastor. We don't have to stress about these things. In Matthew, remember Matthew chapter 6? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Is that where we are? Is that what you're seeking actively? Pro proactively. Moving in a full speed direction to seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. You know what he says? That's your responsibility. Seek out the kingdom and his righteousness. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Guess what, your what God's responsibility is? All the other things. Because he says all the other things I'll add to you as well. You know what the Christians are busy doing? Worrying about God's part. That one was free. So these disciples are really stressed out, and they don't understand. They don't see it. They're not, they're not able to comprehend what Jesus is talking about. Now, we know in Acts chapter 2, their eyes will be open. They'll say, ah, that's what that was. That's what he was talking about. But they don't know right now, and so they're stressed out about it. And this is what he's referencing. He's saying in verse 6, instead you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, look at this. I like this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. How many of us have ever dreamed or fantasized about being with Jesus during his time of ministry on earth? Anybody? Like, I've, I've kind of dreamed what that would look like, what that would have been like to be there with Jesus, to actually look at his face and say, that's what he looks like. That's what Jesus looks like. You know, we have all kinds of different ideas about what Jesus looks like. But it would have been something to see him. It would have been amazing to watch him do the miracles that he did. To be able to hear him preach, to teach. It would have been like blown away. We'd like, wow, it's Jesus. I've fantasized about what that would have been like. I think, man, that would have been so amazing. Jesus is saying something here, though, that kind of just blows that paradigm out of the water. And he says, you're better off if I go away. What? I'm not understanding you, Jesus. You just said, we're better off if you go away. He's getting to something really good, though. Now, look at this. It's best for you that I go away. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Who's the advocate? Holy Spirit. These people don't understand the, the kind of experience that they're going to have with the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is flesh and blood. Jesus is there with them, and he's doing all the things that they can see, that they can comprehend. They're there with him, and that's what they understand. That's what they know. All right? He's talking about something that they don't know. Jesus, in his, in his state, could not invade their flesh. Jesus could be um, there physically in front of them. He could demonstrate these things for them, but they couldn't be empowered to do the things that Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, Behold, I tell you, anyone who has faith in me can do the things that I've been doing, and even greater things can he do, because I'm going to go to my Father, right? So Jesus said that. And these guys, just, it would just go over their head. They just kind of just would, they'd hear him, but they wouldn't hear him because they couldn't comprehend it. And so Jesus is saying, when the advocate comes, <laughs> how many of you are grateful the advocate came? Woo! Get excited. Nazarene preachers aren't supposed to get loud like that. I, you know why I'm excited? Because I know what God did in my life. <clears throat> God rescued me from sin. God, man, God, God did a work in my heart that I can't explain, that I had no power over. It was the Holy Spirit inside of me. He purified me. He's emboldened me. He's empowered my life for holy living. Something I couldn't do. Something you can't do. Not without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is talking about, you're going to be better off. Listen, if I go away, the advocate will come. These guys don't understand. And they're, they, they're, they're grieving. Did you notice the word there? In ver Look at verse 6. He says, instead, you grieve. There's a grieving that's taking place because of change that's coming. But the change is good. Let me say, you guys have had an amazing pastor for 14 years. Amazing. 14 years is a long time. I was talking to your DS before we were, you know, installed or voted on and all that kind of thing about kind of the church and everything. He started telling me about your pastor. That he had two bouts with cancer. And I mean, wow, you know, that says a lot about the metal of a person to fight and then to come to the other side of it to win, you know. Cancer is a big deal. Uh, he told me about the pastor's steadfastness about his, his relationship with the people. Good man. That's what I gather from the report I heard. 14 years is a long time. Let me say this. That I probably will not do a lot of the things that he did, and I'll probably do a lot of things that he did do. I don't know what that's going to look like, because I'm me. I, I'm wired differently. I might talk differently. I might dress differently. In terms of methodology, there might be some things that we'll tinker with and you might scratch your head and say, why are they doing it like that? Did you know that the way that he did things, from my vantage point, because they're different, doesn't make him wrong? Nor... Am I wrong if we do things differently? So long, the pastor who was here for 14 years, a substance pastor. Yes? 
Substance of the gospel. We can, remember going back to methodology and substance, right? Talking about methodology and subject, substance. As long as we don't mess around with the substance, the methodology, that's up to the Lord. And so, well, we didn't do it like that. It was funny. We had a, um, I love this thing being on wheels. It's so cool. We had this outreach event we did one time. It was uh, at Albuquerque. And we were going to serve steak and lobster at a dinner theater. And we were inviting all the poorest people in our city to steak and lobster. Because we figured, you know what? They've never had lobster probably. And steak is something that they typically don't get. So we'd like to treat them not only to steak and lobster. We'd like to give them the gospel. And see how many of these people come to Jesus. So it was the first time we'd ever done it. Now, after that, we did it like every year that I was there. I was there for nine years. We set up this big old tent, and they had these speakers going down the tent like this. They had the stage set up. It, it was a big production. I mean, we had a lot of people in that church. Church ran about 1,000. We had, we had people that were uh, thespians and actors, you know, so they were practicing all that. They were singers. They were greeters. So when people come in the tent, they be greeted. We had a registration table, so we had registration people. We had people that were uh, augmented as teenage, uh, the teenagers were augmented as uh, servers, and so they were going to serve the food. We had a team of guys that were the grill, grill guys. They were flipping the steaks, and we had this big old grill, probably as wide as that row there. I'm not exaggerating. It was like they had to tow it in. I'm talking to Texans, never mind. In Oregon, you have to explain these things, you know what I mean? There's, but, but I mean, and we had a big one in, in Malala too, actually. But in any event, these guys are doing the steaks, you know. And then we had other people that were doing the lobster. They had these cauldrons, you know, and they're kind of just stirring these, these uh, lobsters. And then we had the, some, a team of people in the gymnasium kitchen, and they're doing the potatoes and the green beans. How many of you guys are getting hungry? Anybody? And... Team of people. So what we did is we had these stations in the sanctuary, uh, the, the foyer, and we, we set them up. What we realized the first night is that it wasn't economical. It wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't flowing well. So we had this idea. We talked to the staff, and we said, let's switch them out. Let's switch them this side to this side and that side to that side. It was one night, and it was the first night that we had ever done it. Okay? You guys are laughing because you already know where I'm going. So, dude walks into the, the foyer, and he goes like this. And I am not exaggerating. He goes like this. He opens the door. He goes. What is going on here? Who changed that? We had this here last night, and that there last, and now it's, who did that? He's all upset. Like there was this long tradition. It was one night at our first event. And you're mad. I'm just like, dude, decaf. <laughs> Serious. So he walks out. He, wa he walks out of the thing. And I watched him. You know, as, as staff sometimes, staff, you're kind of damage control. As much as your pastoral ministers and all that kind of thing, you're, a lot of times it's damage control. You're kind of like watching like Secret Service. Yes, we have somebody over here on this side doing stuff. Yeah, okay, send him over there. And I'm watching him, and he's going to other people. He's like, and I'm like, oh, dude, come on, man. 
So I walk over to the guy, and I say, hey, man, listen, don't do that. Instead, let's, let's just let's pray. This is why we did it. Not that I have to explain it, but I'll explain it. This is, what we, this is why we changed it. Let's pray. Come on, come on. Get the other guys that you tried to poison. Let's get them. And I said it like that. I'm pretty straight up like that. You know, I'm just, I am. I said, the guys that you poisoned, let's, let's get them in a circle and let's hold hands and let's pray. We're going to pray. It's pretty hard to stay all carnal and wicked when you're going to pray. Just saying, Lord, kill them in the name of Jesus. No, no, not that. No, you don't do that. <laughs> Guess what I did? I asked the guy that was all bent sideways to pray. That's awesome. That's a dirty trick right there. So we're there. I said, go ahead and pray for us, brother. Go ahead and pray for us. Me? Yeah, yeah, you. Pray, pray. Lord, <laughs> Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we have to minister to people. I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, that's the prayer. That, that's the attitude. Now, why didn't you come in here with that attitude? You know? Here's the, here's the point. You and I know we're supposed to have that attitude. We know that. We've been in church. We know what it's about. There's nobody has to tell us that. We allow these kinds of attitudes and dispositions. We allow them. Or say no. Yeah, they changed that. So, and is God going to be worshipped? Are people going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus as Savior? Well, then if they have those, those opportunities, then I, what do I care? I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of God's solution, not part of the problem. Now, we have empty chairs today. We have some empty chairs. We do. We have a lot of filled chairs, too. But guess what? We're going to make it our aim to fill these chairs with all kinds of people. Let me say this. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to that are the people sitting in the chairs. But that's not going to be us. That won't be us. Maybe that's somewhere else. Maybe that's in another church. That's not going to be our church. Our church is going to be, you know what? What we care about is what this guy prayed about. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister to as many people as possible. That's going to be who we are if we'll allow it. Sometimes holding on to some of the stuff that you've, and they're not even bad things. Listen, listen. These aren't even bad things sometimes, these things that we hold on to that we're back here. Hold on. God says, okay, these aren't even evil things. These aren't even simple things. In fact, they're even good things. But it's time to let go of that to grab a hold of the next one. You can't grab a hold of what God has for you if your hands are full. If I'm sitting here grabbing a hold of this thing that I had that's a good thing, and God says, that's a great thing. I said, I couldn't pastor Malala and pastor you guys at the same time. Malala was a great thing. I left a great ministry. Amazing ministry. Loved those people. God said, it's time for you to go and minister in Texas. All right, cool, great. I'm going to put these guys in the truck and we're going to go. No. 
No. That was a great thing. That wasn't sinful or bad or inherently evil or anything like that. That was a good thing. It's time to let go of that so you grab a hold of the next thing that I have for you. And some of us as church people, we are so in love with this. And God's saying, that's great, but I have something else for you. It's going to have to be one of those things where you have to look in the mirror and think, Lord, what are those things that I'm still holding on to that you're saying I need to let go of? These people were grieving. These people were having a hard time about Jesus saying, I'm going to have to go. Have you ever thought about what it would have been to be in Acts chapter 1? How much time do I have? We're in Texas, aren't we? I love it. I used to have a guy in New Mexico. He'd go like this. He'd be in the back. He'd go like this. Like this in the back. Now, of course, he, those people do that in the back. Not you guys. But the people who typically do that, they're not going to do that in the front row. Because everybody knows they're carnal. <laughs> Let me just say this. If we ever go along and you have to go, if you have to go, nobody thinks you're carnal or wicked or evil. You probably have a, a roast in the oven. You've got to go get out. It's okay. No problem. But if I do go out, uh, over, I want to finish what God has started for his people. Okay? All right. Have you ever thought about Acts 2 or Acts 1? Acts chapter 1 is where Jesus tells them that I want you to go in every corner of the earth and be my witnesses. You can go to Jerusalem and Judea and all parts, and you're going to be my witnesses. Right? And, and he says that, and then these guys are still thinking. Have you ever read Acts 1? Where they're, they, they still think that Jesus, now that he's risen from the dead, he's going to go in there, he's going to whoop some Romans. He's going to mess up some chief priests and teachers of the law. He's going to go and show them. He's going to say, look at these. See, you see that? And he says, that's not, for, that's not for you to know when they say, the apostles, they go, well, is now the time you're going to do that? <laughs> they still don't get it. He's risen from the dead. They still don't get it. Is now the time? He says, it's not for you to know these times. It's appointed by the Father. And then he ascends into heaven. Now, if you were those disciples, how many guys have ever pictured the apostles looking up to heaven like this? That's how the, they depict it in the movies. They depict it, oh, that's awesome. That's how they depict it. But that's not how it happened. Because these people thought that Jesus was going to kick out the Romans. That's what they thought. In their mind, they're thinking he had to die on the cross so that he could show them to, that he could raise from the dead, and then now he's going to kick them out. That's what they thought. And Jesus is like, you still don't get it. So he, raised, he ascends into heaven, and I can tell you that every single ounce of excitement, passion, ideas that they thought about Jesus went out the window when he ascended. And now they're like, oh, what is this? And I can tell you that Acts chapter 2, the prayer room, remember the prayer room? That prayer room was not about anything that we think that they think, uh, that, we, that we, we would have thought that they were getting ready for because they had no idea what was going to happen. We know the end of the story. We know that the Holy Spirit's going to descend upon them and he's going to fill them and they're going to be on fire and they're going to go full speed. We know that because we know the end of the story. These guys went to the prayer room out of desperation. 
Do you think the church lacks desperation sometimes? Like the last time that you prayed out of desperation? Where you cried out to God because you don't have any answers, you don't have any ideas, any thoughts. You, you're like, what is going on? No, we pray, Lord, thank you for the food. Um, amen. Lord, help us out with this. You know what's going on. In Jesus' name, amen. These guys go up there because it, the, the, the plans we thought that were in place, those went out the window when Jesus ascended. So what do we do now? That's what I believe the prayer was all about. Let me say this, that whenever you're distraught about any kind of changes, whether in the church, in your life, in your family, in your marriage, or whatever it is that God wants to speak to you about for change, that he wants to bring you to a point of desperation so that you can reach out to him. He is not asking for you to try to figure it out. Like he needs our help. Have you ever thought about God? That's a good idea. I didn't think about that one. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I hadn't thought of that. Please. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. God needs us to listen and obey. Desperation. He wants to bring us to a place where when the change comes, you know what change is good for? Growth. So you can grow. How many of you guys want to grow? I want to stay in my diaper. I want to stay sucking a pacifier. That's what's going on in the churches, I'm telling you guys. Because nobody wants to change. The change is for somebody else. You know, it's funny, it's a trip, man. When you're a brand new pastor, everyone's like, oh, change. Yes, yes. Change. Good. Don't change my stuff. Don't you mess with my stuff. Because if you mess with my stuff, you're going to get the horns. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. Is that what they said, Ezra, at school? Is that what they said? See, that's a Texasism. Mess with, the, mess with the bull, you get the horns. Is that what, they, is that what, is that what it is? You guys going to help me with that? Along the way, we'll, we'll help each other. You've changed my stuff. And see, God doesn't care about your stuff. Probably your stuff is the problem. Your stuff is the reason why you haven't grown. God's saying, hey, it's got to change. You got to grow. You've been in diapers too long. He said that to me before, and I'm like, what? Bottom lip comes out. You don't tell me. That lip comes out, doesn't it? Especially people on the side, they're like, man, that's a big lip. <laughs> you know what you'll learn? And, and, and if you stay here around as a pastor, uh, I have fun. And I hope you have fun. If you, if you can't have fun, later on we'll pray that God will help you. Because we have fun. We'll laugh. Sometimes we'll cry. But I think if we talk about all the things that are getting ready to happen in our church, they're going to be good things if we let God move. The Holy Spirit will show up. And lives will be changed. That's going to happen. There are going to be people that are coming to our church who don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't come from our background. And that's going to be all right. And there are going to be people that come in here smelling of alcohol or maybe high on some kind of drug. 
There are going to be people that come, come in here with problems from the night before, fighting with their spouse, maybe fighting in the parking lot. And God's going to use you, not just the pastor. In our ministry, we're going to teach people how to do discipleship. How many of you guys want to do discipleship where you want to disciple somebody? Maybe, maybe, how about this? Let me, let, me get, let me back up the train. How many of you guys would like to be discipled? Anybody? We're going to teach people how to do discipleship. That if, if, if there's somebody that came to an altar and they prayed the sinner's prayer, they need to be discipled. They need somebody to bring them along. We're going to do that around here. There's going to be marriages that are under rocks. And those people are going to come together for God's glory. That marriage is going to be resurrected. There's going to be deliverance that will happen. That's not a campaign speech, you guys. That's the power of God. Do you believe that this morning? I do. Let's have a time of prayer. If you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You can maybe have a couple of musicians maybe come up and play, play something worshipful. Um, we're going to have a time at altars. And, you know, I, I think that there's no better way to start off a ministry together, together, the, all of us together, than at the altar. If you feel inclined, the Holy Spirit moved in some way, shape, or form, impressing you to come to an altar this morning to pray about whatever it is that he wants you to pray about, that's always appropriate. There'll be times where I won't give necessarily a formal invitation, but the altars will always be open if you want to come and pray. And I'd like to invite young and old, men and women, whoever it is that, you know, that wants to come, want you, want you to come. And, um, and let's go before the Lord. Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Lord, this morning we... We come before you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to come in prayer. We have an opportunity this morning to draw close to you. That you're not some far away God, some figment of our imagination. You're not just some philosophy. You're not a dead God. You're, you're real. We have opportunity for relationship with you. Jesus, because you were willing to die on the cross for all of our sins, we have the opportunity not only to have a relationship with you, but to have a vital and alive and powerful relationship. Something that is attractive <laughs> to the lost and hurting people of our world. And we pray this morning that you would light a fire under every single one of us starting with the pastor, that you would just ignite in us a desire for growth, 
the changes that you want to bring into our lives, Lord, I, I know that for my family, there's a lot of changes. There's so many things that we've had to change in our lives to come and serve here in Texas. But God, we, we, tr we trust you. That when you speak to us and you say, it's time to leave Oregon to come to Texas, we know that your plan is better than ours. We know that even with all the changes, with all the things that have to happen in order for that to come to fruition, we know that we can trust you. And even before we've taken the church, Lord God, and been formally installed and all of that, God, I know you're beginning to work even now. That you're already instigating something good in all of our hearts. This morning you've spoken very plainly to all of us. Many of us have been in the church a long time, been Christians a long time. Many of us have been in this particular church a long time. What we know is that you're faithful. And we know that when you say something for our lives, that we'll be able to trust it. So I pray, God, for every single man, woman, young person alike, that this morning we would open up our hearts, open up our lives, and where things are going to change on whatever level, that when we know you're behind it, that we will allow it. In fact, we will run after it. And I am grateful today, this morning, that you have had your way with your people. For those people that have opened up their hearts, for the growth that you want to bring, for the change that you're, gonna, you're going to instigate, those people that have opened up their hearts, you're going to do a great thing. For those, Lord God, that maybe are struggling whether in church or other changes that are taking place in their lives, but they're really struggling through these things, God, would you come alongside them? Would you reassure them and help them to remember that you've always been faithful to them? And no matter what you've ever brought into their lives, it's been good. And moving forward, the things that you're going to instigate in our lives, they will also be good. They might not be comfortable, but they'll be good. And so this morning, we thank you. We pray that you would have your way in all of our lives. And with heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around this morning, you'd say, you know, Pastor, there's some things that you talked about. I didn't come to an altar this morning, but you talked about some things that I know I'm going to need to let God do in my life. I'm having a hard time with it. I will covet your prayers. Is there anybody at all like that with uplifted hand? I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that? God bless you. Yep, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. God bless you, bro. Appreciate you. So, God, as we get ready to transition into the next part of our day, we're going to go and enjoy fellowship. And we pray that you would be in the middle of all of it, that whatever we talk about, that whatever it is that we'll share that you would be in the middle receiving all the glory and the honor and the credit that what we know is that you're in our midst and uh, so we pray for the food Lord God that you would bless it 
the hands that prepared it, that you would bless those people. And that this opportunity to get to know each other a little more would be truly beneficial for all. We love you this morning and we thank you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. I almost forgot an announcement. So as you're finding your seats and we're getting ready to go into the fellowship room, this Wednesday I have a challenge uh, for you. As we're, we're going to start on the 17th, I'm going to start a Bible study on Wednesday nights for whoever wants to come. I'm praying about what book we're going to study, uh, but that's forthcoming. Um, I want to say that leading up to that, we have another Wednesday, the Wednesday before. Would you start inviting people, friends, uh, co-workers, people you go to school with, neighbors, whatever. Invite them. And let's, let's get some people here for a Bible study that uh, it's going to be really a good time. I know that every place we've ever been where we've had small groups on Wednesday night, the format that we use, it's, it's powerful. It's really effective uh, for folks. It's a discipleship tool that we use. And um, so if there's somebody that you know that would benefit from it, invite them. And if you'll agree to that, say amen. And the rest of you will pray for you that you'll get excited about that. Just, just kidding. All right, our blood sugar's low. We need to go eat. So, uh, before you leave, tell somebody that you're grateful that they're here today, and then we'll meet in the fellowship hall. God bless you guys. Did I blow? <laughs>